Good morning. Welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Ben. It is my joy to serve as the pastor here and to welcome you on this day when we gather to give thanks to the God who has given us life to be used to bring forth joy in this world. And so today, as we praise God, I invite you to stand as you are able as we begin with our gathering hymn.
Some of us woke up this morning excited to come to church and trade stories of the week with our friends. Some of us woke up today and honestly would have rather dug a hole and buried ourselves in it. But no matter how we woke up today, we are all here for the same reason. We are imperfect people in an imperfect world in need of God's perfect love. And so we begin worship by setting ourselves all on the same footing, all on the same page. We start by confessing our sins and hearing God's words of forgiveness and mercy. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God in whose image we are made, who claims us and calls us beloved. Holy One, we confess that we are not awake for you. We are not faithful in using your gifts. We forget the least of our siblings. We do not see your beautiful image in one another. We are infected by sin that divides your beloved community. Open our hearts to your coming. Open our eyes to see you in our neighbor. Open our hands to serve your creation. Amen. Beloved, we are God's children, and Jesus, our beloved, opens the door to us. Through Jesus, you are forgiven. By Jesus, you are welcome. In Jesus, you are called to rejoice. Let us live in the promises prepared for us from the foundation of the world. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Righteous God, our merciful Master, you own the earth and all its peoples, and you give us all that we have. Inspire us to serve you with justice and wisdom, and prepare for us the joyous day of your coming. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be seated as we hear a reading from 1 Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, 
so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build upon each other, as indeed you are doing. Word of God, word of life. And I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the disciples, For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave! You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, 
Throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. may be seated as we hear a gospel anthem.
The Lord be with you. What do you do when someone entrusts you with something that is both a treasure and a liability? For four and a half years in Brooklyn, I wrestled with this very question because I served as the pastor of St. Paul's Lutheran Church. And if you've spent any time with me, you've heard me tell story after story about not just this congregation, but this building. This building was built in 1884. You can tell it's three stories tall, and that's not counting the bell tower. It's a quarter of a city block. Just the real estate alone, just the ground, is worth tens of millions of dollars. The air above it, which you can sell in New York, is worth millions of dollars. But it also was a massive liability, because as I mentioned, it was built in 1884, and had about 50 years of deferred maintenance. And the congregation had about 15 people. And I will tell you what, trying to just have the money to heat a building that large was beyond our capabilities. And the boiler that heated that building was recently renovated in 1970. I would spend many a Sunday morning down in the basement trying to figure out which valve I needed to turn to try to get heat to turn on. Many Sunday mornings in the winter, our baptismal font was literally frozen solid. And we would have worship anyway. Yeah? But this congregation, they loved that building. It was their treasure, their prized possession, And they saw it as a gift to the neighborhood. They saw it as an emblem of this neighborhood's history. And so they made sure it was registered as a historic landmark, which meant it could never be torn down. Its exterior could never be changed, including the historic stained glass windows, many of which were broken. But because it was a historic building, we could not change those stained glass windows unless we restored them to the exact original configuration which cost tens of thousands of dollars we did not have. And as I would wander around this massive building, it took me about a year, and I realized there was a a set of doors that were padlocked shut. And eventually, you know, I said to our custodian, hey, what's what's through there? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a mess. I said, well, okay. And a few months later, I asked again, what's, what's behind those doors? And he said, ah, here, I'll show you. And he opened it up, and inside was a theater. A theater in New York City in the hippest neighborhood in Brooklyn. And it was just full of junk. Junk that had been in there for decades. And the plaster was falling from the ceiling and the paint was peeling because those windows were all broken and the rain was just getting in. And I said, we have a theater? And I talked to the council about that. I go, oh, yeah, we've got a theater. And I said, we should use it. And they said, we are using it. And I said, what are we using it for? And they're like, oh, we store all sorts of stuff in there. <laughs> I said, we could use it for theater. <laughs> and they said, oh, no, where would we put our stuff? And I said, oh. Uh, and they said, more importantly, we don't have the money. We don't have the money to fix up this theater. What do we, like, it's just what it is. We keep it shut. We leave it there. No one uses it, sure, but we keep this building intact. 
for generations to come. And that's what matters. Right? This congregation, they believed their purpose was not to lose this building, and so they did not use this building. We hear a parable today that Jesus tells us about a man who goes on a journey, and when he leaves, he entrusts to his slaves different amounts of money, talents. Now, our modern word for a talent, as in like your skills or your ability, it comes from this parable. But when Jesus tells this parable, the talents he's referring to aren't your skills. Talents, in ancient Rome, were coins. Very valuable coins. A talent was worth about 15 to 20 years' wages for a laborer. That's about a million dollars. So this master, he leaves one servant with $5 million, another servant with $2 million, and a third servant with $1 million, and he goes off. And it says that the servant who got $1 million is afraid. He's afraid what his master will do if he comes back and doesn't have that $1 million. And so what he does is he digs a hole and he buries it in the ground. He buries $1 million in the ground because he's so afraid to lose it that he doesn't use it. And that is so many of us in this life. We have been entrusted with something far more precious. We have been entrusted with our lives. And yet so many of us think the purpose of why God has given us our life is simply not to lose it. And we may mean that literally, right? We don't want to die. Sure, that makes sense. But on a deeper level, so many of us think, you know, I have been given this life to ensure my family's legacy continues untarnished, so I better not mess it up. I don't want to lose that legacy, so I'm not going to use it. Or we think to ourselves, well, I've been given this life, but I want to make sure no one laughs at me or sees that I've, I've used it wrong, and so I'm just not going to use it at all. Or maybe, like that servant, that slave who received a million dollars, we think, you know, God gave me this life, because at the end of it, God's going to demand it back in the exact pristine condition that God gave it to me, and I better not tarnish it at all. Otherwise, God is going to be very upset with me. And so, what do we do? We dig a nice hole where no one can come and mess with us, where we're not tempted by anyone else's problems, where we can stay pure and holy, and then we just bury ourselves and wait for Jesus to come back. We're so afraid of losing what God has given us that we don't use it. But here's the problem. 1 Thessalonians tells us, even when they say, hey, we have peace and security, then destruction will come upon them suddenly. Like labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, there will be no escape. Paul is saying this to the Thessalonians because it doesn't matter where a pregnant woman goes and hides. At the end of the day, when that baby is ready to come, there's going to be pain Because the pain isn't coming from outside in the world from someone else. That pain is coming from within. And so it is with us. It doesn't matter how much we hide ourselves or bury ourselves. The imperfections, the mess, 
It's going to find us wherever we are because it doesn't come from outside in the world. It comes from within. As a church, we have a word for that. It's called sin. Wherever you go, there it is. And that's what we found out at St. Paul's. We could keep the doors of that theater sealed shut. We could make sure no one would use it. But the truth is, because of all those broken windows and the rain getting in, we were slowly losing that theater. Oh, sure, the shell of the building might stay up there for hundreds of years, but all that would be inside would be a, a pile of plaster, soggy and melted on the floor. And in the parable, it turns out that burying what God gives you doesn't actually work out well at the end either. Because when the master comes back, the master is really not happy with that slave who got a million dollars and buried it in the ground. And I don't think it's because the slave didn't make enough money with it. I think it's because of what the slave thought about the master. You see, when the master comes to settle accounts, the slave said, I knew you were a harsh man, that you reaped where you did not sow. And so I was afraid. Now, to be clear, if you reap where you do not sow, you're stealing. Yeah? Right? If you're a farmer and you see your neighbor has a farm and they planted a whole field and you go over there and you take all their crops, that's just theft. That's all that is. This slave is saying, Master, I think you're a thief and a harsh one at that, and so I'm afraid of you. But here's the thing. If... If this is a parable about our relationship with God, if we think God is a thief, what does that say about this life that we are given? And indeed, the master responds very sarcastically, oh yeah, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow? You knew that I'm a thief? Wow. Well, if you think I'm a thief, you should have done what a thief would do which is to put the money in the bank and get interest from it. And here I have to give an explanation because this is so counter to how our modern economy works. In our modern economy, if you have extra money, yeah, you put it in the bank and you get interest. That's the only reasonable thing to do. But in the ancient world, they had a term for that. It's called usury, and it's a sin. Time after time, the Bible says, do not lend money for interest. The Bible thinks of it as theft. Because who gets a loan in the ancient world? People who don't have enough money to survive. If you've loaned someone enough money that they can eat a dinner for a day, what are the odds that they're going to have more money to pay you back tomorrow? It's pretty small. And so in the ancient world, if you lended money to someone and they couldn't pay it back, well, you could enslave them. And many people became slaves because they couldn't pay back their debts. The Bible is clear. Usury is a sin. Now, part of that is because you can entrap poor people, but part of it is also this idea that if you are lending money and you have a guarantee of enslaving someone if they don't pay it back, well, by making interest, you are getting money without doing any work yourself. You are getting something for doing nothing. In the biblical world... They think of that as theft. Obviously, our bankers today will tell you they do a lot of work for the interest rate they get back, yeah? No doubts on that. But this is how the Bible sees it. 
All right. We hear the master saying, if you think I'm a thief, why didn't you just become a thief? But if this is a parable about God, this is a parable about Jesus. Jesus is saying, you think this is who I am? You think I'm a thief? That I'm a harsh man who demands unreasonable things from you? I literally gave you commandment after commandment about not to do this sort of thing. Why would you think that's who I am? Did you think I just gave you this money to give you a reason for me to be angry at you? You think that's who I am? Well, then why in the world would you want to spend eternity with me? Why in the world would you want to spend eternity with all the people you've been hiding your talents from? The master says, here, I'm going to do you a favor. Why don't you go be in the outer darkness where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth? Because I think that's going to be a happier place for you than being with this master that you do not trust. But there are two other slaves in this parable. And to those other slaves, the master says, Well done, good and faithful slave. You have been trustworthy with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Those two slaves, they double the money that their master has given them. They don't do it by putting that money in the bank. They do it by trading. Trading was a very reasonable way to make money in the ancient world. No problems with that in the Bible. Here's the thing about trading. When you make a trade with what you have, there's always the danger that you could make a bad trade and lose a lot of money doing it. When I was in Brooklyn, about three blocks from the church, there was a street corner. And on this street corner, women would stand every morning and cars would drive up and hire these women to go and clean their houses. Right? It's an inherently unsafe thing for the women. You get into a stranger's car and they drive you somewhere, and then you expect that they'll pay you afterwards? Didn't always work out that way. So I heard about these women, and I went and I started chatting with them. And the more I got to know them, I thought to myself, you know, I feel like the church should do something to support these women. And so I I was talking to some of them, and I said, what could we do as a church to support you? And they said, well, can, can we come meet with you? Like, let's go meet at your church, and we can talk it over. So I said, sure. I invited them back to the church, and I gave them a little tour, and they said, hey, what's, what's behind those doors there, the doors with the padlock on it? And I said, ah, that room's just a mess. Don't worry about it. And they said, no, no, we want to see. So I opened it up, and I looked around, and and they saw what there was to see, which is a room full of junk with peeling paint and crumbling ceilings. And they said, you know what we could really use? We could use this space. We could use this space so that instead of standing on the street corner, women could meet here and clients could reserve those women online and we would know who those clients were, what address they were going to. We could get payments online. We could have classes where women could learn English. We could have classes where they could learn about how to use cleaning products safely and their rights. What if we traded you our labor, because we're good at cleaning things up, for this space? 
So I went and talked to the council about that. And here's the thing. When you make a trade, you have to do something that we don't have to do when you have money in your wallet and a price listed on the thing you're interested in buying. When you make a trade, you have to try to figure out how much that thing that you want is worth. You have to set the price, and then you have to figure out how much what you have is worth. You have to figure out what the other person has of value, and you have to figure out what you have of value, and you have to figure out if those values line up. And so the council said, well, this is an interesting offer, but we have all our great stuff in that room. And to their credit, they said, you know what? We think having those women fix up the theater would be worth more than the junk in that room. We'll make that trade. And then there was a local theater company who heard we were trying to fix up a theater, and they said, tell you what, we need a venue to put on a Christmas play, and you've got a venue that needs junk hauled out of it. We will haul that junk out of that venue if you let us put on a play in it afterwards. And I will say, for the price of a theater in New York City, a weekend hauling out junk is a great deal for that theater company, but we said yes. And then afterwards, we had a little bit of money, and I said, well, why don't we buy lights and a sound system? And it was great, except installing that requires a lot of work, a lot of technical electrical work, and electricians are not cheap. But there was an electrician just down the block who wanted to get married. And I said, hey, I'll officiate your wedding. And he said, how much do you charge? And I said, will you just do our electrical work for this theater instead? And he said, oh, yeah, how much could that be? We got the better end of that deal for sure. <laughs> but here's the thing about making trades. What each of us has, its value is subjective. And what I value my thing at can be so much less than what you value it at. And when trades are made well, everyone comes off richer for it. And so, yes, the women, they got in the mornings a room where they could have classes and learn English and have a place that wasn't in the rain and the snow and be safe. And in the evenings... Local theater companies and bands got a, a venue in which they could perform. And we, as a congregation, we certainly got a source of revenue when bands would come in and play there. But we also got a chance to make relationships. And we would invite the, the hipsters in our neighborhood who were moving in and gentrifying the place to come and play their music. And then we would invite the old-timers in the neighborhood to come and share their stories and that electrician, who did way more work than it was worth for me to officiate his wedding, well, he and his wife got to just walk down to the end of the block and have a performing arts venue for them to enjoy every single week. We did all that with one abandoned room. But God has given you something worth so much more. God has given you your life. When FEMA has to calculate the economic loss of people dying in a natural disaster. FEMA says, you know, an American life at its base value is worth $10 million just because of the economic activity that you will do over the course of your lifetime. You are, just by existing, worth $10 million, which is to say twice as much 
as the master in the parable gives to the slave who gets five talents. But if your life on this earth is worth $10 million, bare minimum, how much more is your eternal life worth? God is willing to value your eternal life at the same equivalent as the value of God. Because in Jesus, God is willing to trade God's own life for yours. And God thinks it's a good deal. 1 Thessalonians tells us why. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether awake or asleep, we may live with him. Encourage one another, therefore, and build each other up just as you are already doing. Jesus is willing to give his life for ours because our life isn't just destined for wrath and damnation. Our life isn't put on this earth just for God to surround us with tricks and traps to say, ah, you didn't do it right, bad news at the end. No. Jesus is willing to give his life for ours so that we know how much God values us. So that we know that we are not destined for wrath, but for obtaining salvation. For obtaining salvation from fear. From the fear of God. From the fear of this world. From the fear that we are going to use our life wrong, and so we bury it. The difference between the servants who are welcomed into their master's joy and the servant who is cast in outer darkness, is not how much they accomplish with what has been given to them, but it is the trust they have for their master. It is their faith. For the, master, for the slave who is cast into outer darkness is afraid of his master. But the servants who are welcomed into joy they trust that their master has given them these talents so that they might use them and multiply them and see abundance in this world. Jesus is willing to lose his life so that we would be willing to use ours. To use ours to see what our neighbor has to offer to be bold in trading what God has given us, to be confident that God has given us talents in the first place, to be used to encourage and to build up others. Every single slave in the parable gets talents given to them. The question is simply what they do with those talents. And if you say to yourself, well, what's my talents? What does that mean in my life? Well, in this parable of the theater... There are people with talents for cleaning rooms, people with talents of hauling junk, people with talents of electrical wiring, of making music, of, of dreaming dreams. But if you don't know what yours might be, there is a whole team in our congregation called the equipping team, and they've got a, a whole team within them called the conversation team, and they want nothing more than to sit down with you and talk about what your gifts and talents are for the sake of the kingdom. We have a bunch here today who will meet with you after worship and talk to you about your talents. Can I have folks from that team? Will you raise your hands? Go talk to these people. They want to know what your talents are. But no matter what you come out with from that conversation... God has given you a treasure that I know of for sure. 
a treasure that is precious and powerful and transformative. And that treasure is the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ. It is the message that God has not destined us for wrath, but for salvation. And there are so many people in this world who are desperate to make that trade because they are right now white-knuckling their way through life digging holes to bury themselves in because they're afraid they're going to lose their life by using it wrong. And there are people who think the life that God has given them is worthless and so they're traded away for nothing. Those people desperately need what you have, which is the message that God sees their life as precious, as transformative, as meant to be used for this world to build up the kingdom of heaven on earth. through trusting that what God had given us was meant not to be tucked away, but to be traded away, to transform our world. A congregation of 15 people turned an abandoned room into a center for art and community improvement. There are ten times that many people here today in this congregation Imagine, imagine what we could do if we were willing to be honest about the talents that we had, to be honest about the talents our neighbors have, and to trade them away with deals that build up and encourage us as a whole. Imagine what could happen if we traded away the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ with our neighbors and invited them in exchange to share their gifts for the sake of the kingdom, we could transform the city of Chico into the kingdom of heaven. God has given you the most precious thing in the world. Your life. God didn't give it to you to dig a hole and bury it so that God could get it back on the last day. God gave it to you so you could build up and encourage this world with it. May we trust that Jesus was willing to lose his life so that we use ours. So on that last day when Jesus comes to settle accounts and says, what have you done with the life that I have given you? We may say, I trusted you, Jesus. I trusted that you were willing to use your life so that I might use mine. And so I did just what you did, Jesus. I traded it away and ended up with so much more. And Jesus will say, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. Come into the joy of your master. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able as we join our voices in song.
hearts to God, our breath and life, as we pray for the church, the world, and all who are in need. Gracious God, you give talents and gifts to all your people, and you equip the church to serve. Turn us from fear and self-serving ways that we use our talents to glorify you and encourage our neighbor. Hear us, O God. You have been our dwelling place from one generation to another. Sustain the life of the planet. Protect farmlands and harvests. Direct all people in wise stewardship of all the earth's resources. Hear us, O God. You call us to honesty and integrity. Instill these values in the hearts of all nations and their leaders. Free anyone who is oppressed, expose all corruption, and bring redemption to victims of injustice. Hear us, O God. You teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Where there is sickness or sorrow, bring healing. Where there is loneliness, reveal your love in community. We remember before you, especially for those whom we name before you. Hear us, O God. We pray for the faith formation ministries of our church. Give to all children, youth, and adults who study your word the breastplate of faith and love. Shape us by your love and show us how to encourage one another. Hear us, O God. People of God, for what else do we pray or give thanks? O God. Gracious God, you are faithful in all generations for the promise of life and rest and for the witness of those who have died in faith, especially for those whom we name before you. We praise your goodness. Hear us, O Lord. We offer our spoken prayers and those held in our hearts, trusting in your mercy, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you all. I invite you to share a sign of peace with the people around you.
And don't forget to share a sign of peace with the people watching at home. Peace to you across the screen. And I invite you to return back to your seats. This is a moment in our service where we want to welcome any guests who are in our midst. If this is your first time to Faith Lutheran, we would love to know who you are. You don't have to introduce yourself. We probably know you're new. But uh, we don't, you don't have to introduce yourself. That said, if you do introduce yourself, we'll ask you to say your name, where you're from. We'll give you a round of applause, and we'll give you a mug. So it's worth doing, just saying. All right. Anyone want to introduce themselves today? Yeah, who we got over here? Connie, what a joy to have you with us today. Thanks for being here. A round of applause for Connie. Anyone else? Who we got? Josie from Soledad. What a joy to have you with us today. Thank you. Anyone else? Oh, hey, who we got? Isaac and Becky visiting from the UK. Wow, what a joy to have you with us. There is a marked similarity between Ben and Isaac. I can, uh, yeah, 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 all right. Anyone else? Oh, who we got over here? Yes. Amen, Gabriel. Thank you. Well, whether this is your first time here at Faith Lutheran or you've worshipped with us your whole life, we are so delighted we get to share Christ's love with you today. This is a moment in which uh, we receive your offerings so that together we can make possible the ministry of Faith Lutheran Church. And while we receive your offerings, I want to show you a video about the way our congregation has managed to find a use for our parking lot. I told you a story about an abandoned theater. Well, here's how we use our parking lot to share God's love with Chico and all of Butte County. Faith Lutheran hosts a food bank in collaboration with the Food Bank of Contra Costa and Solano County. On the first and third Friday of each month, our parking lot becomes a free grocery store for the people of Butte County. In the past, cars would drive up and have groceries loaded directly into them on Friday mornings. But so many people needed this service that cars were backed up onto First Avenue and caused traffic jams. So in October, we changed the time of the food distribution to the first and third Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. During this time, our neighboring medical offices are closed so that we can make full use of their parking lots as well as our own. Now, cars park in the far parking lot and people walk over to select their own groceries. 
Not only has this reduced traffic congestion, but now people are able to choose for themselves the groceries that are best for their families. You can be a part of this joyous ministry in a variety of ways, from directing traffic, to setting out groceries, to helping the elderly carry groceries to their cars. Not only does your service help people put food on the table, it's a lot of fun. information, please contact the office. And if you or someone you know could use groceries, please come by the first and third Fridays of each month from 3 to 5 p.m. This ministry is only possible thanks to the people and facilities of Faith Lutheran Church. So thank you for being a community reflecting God's love with a place at the table for everyone. big thank you to everyone who helps out with this food bank. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. We praise and thank you, abounding God, because you demand so much from us, and at the same time, give us everything you expect of us. And the glory of creation and in the grace of liberation. You set the contours of our journey with you. By crafting the covenant and by renewing your people in exile, you showed us the manner and purpose of your ever-flowing love. In Jesus, you gave us your most precious talent. And though we buried him through our ignorance and sin, you raised him to multiply your church and spread abroad your kingdom. And so we give you thanks. 
with saints and angels and the company of heaven, joining their unending hymn. invite you to enter into the mystery of communion, that Christ is truly present in the bread that we break and in the cups that we share. And so I invite you to repeat after me the words passed down from Jesus' last supper. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, and giving thanks, he blessed it. He broke it and gave it to his disciples. Saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper. Jesus took the cup. And giving thanks, he blessed it. And gave it for all to drink saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Shed for you and for all people. For the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering him, therefore, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our ancient bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. All are welcome at this table, all who desire Jesus. And so that there might be nothing to prevent you from coming forward, all our bread is gluten-free. We have both wine and grape juice. The wine is white, the grape juice is red. Ushers will invite you to come down these side aisles. And when you do, you'll receive the bread first, and then you have a choice of drinking from the large common cup with wine, or drinking from the individual cups, which have both the white wine and the red grape juice. If you drink from an individual cup, we ask that you place the empty cup 
in the wooden tray in the center aisle as you go back down it to your seats. There is also time for one-on-one prayer and anointing for healing. Our healing prayer minister today is Sky Sample. Sky, will you wave for us again? Thanks, Sky. Sky will actually be on the other side of the sanctuary in this corner during communion if you'd like to pray with her. If for whatever reason uh, you don't want to receive communion but you'd like to come forward, come with your arms crossed to receive a blessing. And if you would like communion uh, but you have trouble getting out of your seat, let the ushers know and we will bring Christ to you. So come. Receive the body of Christ given to you that you might have life abundant. Amen.
Lord Jesus, in this simple meal, you have set a banquet. Sustain us on the journey. Strengthen us to care for the least of your beloved children. And give us glad and generous hearts as we meet you along the way. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I'm Danny Vogel, the Director of Family Life here at Faith Lutheran Church, and I am bringing to you today's announcement, of which there are many, because we are preparing to enter the season of Advent, and that means that we add so many more events. Thank, Thank you, Dawn. Today we have youth group at 1 p.m. It is the Great Faith Bake Off today. The youth will be baking. I know, very exciting. Ladies for Katie and Pickle Barrel Pals, our Bible study group will meet at 4 p.m. at Mulberry Station. The Men Toasting Martin will be meeting at 3 p.m. at Secret Trail. We will be having a dueling off of the breweries. If you helped yesterday with the mulch and dirt project, please stand up. Thank you, friends, for doing all that dirt work in the rain. We really appreciate the help. The equipping team is providing the opportunity for you to take the time and talent survey in the fellowship hall right after service. That is through those doors. You can drink a cup of coffee and do the time and talent survey at the same time. And it only takes eight minutes to do the survey, which in the Lutheran world is two cups of coffee. We are looking for help with a number of hospitality events going on over the upcoming season. We are looking for help serving treats and cocoa tomorrow evening for our Trans Day of Remembrance service. We are looking for help with setting up for the soup suppers all of the Wednesday evenings during Advent starting on the 29th of November. We are also looking for soup on the Advent Worship's Following the 29th, we have plenty of soup for the 29th right now. This Thursday and Friday, the office will be closed for Thanksgiving. If you need to drop anything off, the mail slot will be available, uh, but we will not be here. We will be partaking in the time-honored traditions of eating turkey leftovers. Wilderness Worship will be meeting on the 26th for a night hike, kicking off the season of Advent. And finally, Luke's going to be doing an Elvanto training today, so find him for more details. If you are also looking for a connection to our Stephen Ministry Program, we want to invite you to speak with Pastor Ben, and he'll help get you connected with the Stephen Ministers. Thank you all, and have a great Sunday. We actually have one more announcement. It was a very important birthday this past week. Our very own director of family life, Miss Danny Vogel, had a birthday. 
So we would love it if you would join all of her admiring fans in singing happy birthday to her. So kids, I invite you to stay here as the cross comes out. Grab hold of the cross. Any other kids, if you'd like to grab hold of the cross as it leads us out dancing with joy, you're invited to do so. And everyone else, I invite you to stand as you are able for our sending song. Receive God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine upon you with grace and mercy. The Lord grant you favor and give you peace. Amen. Beloved of God, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.